I want to preach about one of my favorite subjects today, Jesus. I have been really rejoicing about this since God led me to it. I'm in a passage that is, there's almost no place in the New Testament I haven't worn pretty well. Um, Hebrews, one of my favorite books of the New Testament, a transition book from Judaism, from the law to Jesus. From Judaism to Jesus. That's where the Hebrews is. That's the book of Hebrews. I've taught through it a couple times, verse by verse, in Sunday school classes. And uh, it's just a fabulous book. Based, really, on this whole transition, I've done a lot of reading around the transition from the law to grace. Let me give you a quote from a guy by the name of Vincent. And not, not Norman Vincent Peale either, but Vincent, his last name, page 1090. That kind of gives you the idea of the book. He says, God has given revelation of salvation in two stages. The first was preparatory, transient, and is now completed. That's the 39 books of the Old Testament. Been completed. But it was God's way of uh, communicating to man his salvation, who he was in his salvation. It was preparatory of Christ. It was transient, temporary. And it is completed. The second revelation that God has done to man is through Jesus Christ, his Son. And it is final. Those who have accepted the second revelation, which is Jesus Christ, are warned against returning to the economy of the first revelation. That's the book of Hebrews. There were, there were Hebrews is primarily, their primary target are born again believers of the Jewish faith who would be tempted to go back and to try to mingle or accept the old revelation and somehow mingle law and grace together. Law and grace do not mix together any more than oil and water. Shake it up all you want, it'll all separate. It's different. And so... I present to you a question, which I've done in a few different ways. The question is, the second revelation is around a person, his name is Jesus Christ, and the question around him even today is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I think of the triumphal entry. One of my favorite passages of scripture found Matthew 21 and Luke 19, you know what, I'm going to turn, Luke 19, uh, start in verse 29, why not? Luke 19 and verse 21, the, the triumphal entry. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. He said, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down, right? Nobody, Jesus did not get caught up in some swirl of emotion, some swirl of hate and get captured and against his will taken and crucified. <laughs> uh-uh. 
He knew where he was going, knew what he was going to do always. Verse 29 says, came to pass in Nairn to Bethphage and Bethany in the mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples to go into the village over against you in which you're entering in. You shall find a colt tied whereupon never a man sat and loose him, bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they were sent, went their way, and found even the, as he said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owner thereof came and said, Why do you lose colt? Nobody can do that but God. And he said, The Lord had need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt. I've ridden bareback a lot. Animals sweaty. If you ride bareback, you get sweaty with the animals. So they throw the coats on there as a courtesy to the animal, maybe and you too. Why and so and the and they set Jesus thereupon and he went and they spread their clothes in the way. Well that was the biggest honor you could give somebody. And they come nigh even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives. I've been there. What a holy moment it was to stand in that area. And the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, and they had seen a lot of mighty works. Wow. No generation ever walked the face of the earth saw the mighty works that these people saw. Saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, and there's always Pharisees, from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he said, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. <laughs> I didn't know stones could talk. Until God says they can. Amen. Who is this? Rang out through the whole city. It disturbed the whole city. In Matthew 26, 62 to 64, the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer us thou nothing. This is the trial of Christ. What is it which these witnesses against thee? And Jesus held his peace. In prayer meeting, I did a little study on whom, at the, whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. Who did Jesus reveal himself to? It's amazing to me. Among these religiously educated people that had taken their whole life and been religious, their whole life and studied the Old Testament, he would not reveal himself to them. But he'd reveal himself to a woman who had five husbands and was living with a guy, the Samaritan woman. He'd reveal himself to Pilate, a wicked tool of the Roman Empire. But he didn't reveal himself to these folks. The high priest answered and said to him, I jure thee, and he got, he, got, he got real serious, I jure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. By the way, you need to know that. One way or another, everybody is going to confess someday that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Best to do it now. Jesus said to him, thou hast said. That, that is a Hebrew idiom. That, that's right. That's basically what he said. When he said, thou hast said. He's basically saying, that's right. Thou, thou art the Christ. Thou art, he said, that's right. 
Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see, ye is plural there, ye see the Son of Man sitting in the right hand of power and coming in clouds of heaven. The Bible says, every eye shall see him. Even those that pierced him are going to see him. You say, is there life after death? Those that pierced him are alive. And those that pierced him are going to see him coming back. The chief priests and scribes and elders after the temple, after the cleansing of the temple, which was right after, by the way, the triumphant entry, went into the temple and cleansed it. And they spake unto him and said, Tell us what authority thou doest these things, and who is he that giveth thee uh, this authority? That was, that was always on their mind. At his trial in Luke 22, 67, he says, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And John, he said, If I told you, you wouldn't believe, by the way. That was his answer. John 10, 24, came the Jews round about him and said to him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. In John 18, 33, then Pilate entered the judgment hall and said, called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And you know the answer. He said, I am. But I'm not, my kingdom's not of this world. The Sanhedrin, when he was with John, in John 9, 29, he said, We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Talking about the blind man there. There was a question on the mind of those who were around Jesus, who is this? We know this isn't an average person. We know that, that you can't give sight to people who never had eyes. You cannot cause people that were born crippled to walk and to be healed. You can't walk. I mean, he didn't see the walking on the water and the common of the sea. That was for the select group of the disciples got to see those things. But they saw a lot. We know this can't be. There's controversy was constant around the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, this Jesus of Nazareth, as they referred to him as. Who is this man? Pilate didn't know. The high priest in Sanhedrin didn't know. The Jews didn't know. The rich young ruler. I, I thought about him. I, went to, I was going to bed the other night, and, I, and I, it's, I get the craziest thoughts. I'm getting ready to get in bed, and I tell my wife, which is not asleep yet, I feel really bad right now for the rich young ruler. He got to talk to Jesus. He got to reason with Jesus himself. He got to meet the Messiah one-to-one, -one, got his attention, got to talk to him, got to reason with him, and then when the Messiah gave him advice, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't feel bad when you reject my advice either. I'm lying about that. I never got used to rejection. How about you? But you rejected the Son of God's advice? Well, if, if they'll reject the Son of God's advice, how much more readily will they reject my advice from the Bible? It's true. The disciples even didn't know. what They, they said, what manner of disciples? His own disciples said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. His, his parents weren't real sure of it, even though Mary should have been more than she was. Uh, they didn't realize. Uh, he had to tell her when, when he was lost for three days, which he wasn't ever lost. He was among, he was predictably among the doctors debating the Bible, 
because he was the living word of God, and she should have like put two and two together. You'd have thought, well, he'll be, well, if he's going to be anywhere, it'd be like Merrick. If Merrick was lost, I'd say, he's, find an organ, you'll, you'll find him. Find a piano, you'll find him. So he's among her, and she's kind of wanting to chew on him a little bit. And says, woman? No, I didn't call my mother woman. What have I to do with you? Did you not know I'm about my father's business? That's powerful, brother. They didn't, that, that tells me they didn't fully grow. He was so human. He was so just like, every, he wasn't even, he wasn't handsome. He wasn't somebody that was, you looked at and said, boy, he's handsome, he's built, got broad shoulders. No. Isaiah 53 says that clearly. So because of that, he just fit in with the average person. And they, would, they said if, if the Messiah would come, it wouldn't be like him. That's where he was at. If the Messiah came, he wouldn't look like him. If the Messiah came, he wouldn't have that stature. If the Messiah came, he wouldn't. No, no. Boy, so well. He came in human form. They didn't know. They didn't know. Even it led to the question where Jesus asked his own disciples, who in the 16th chapter of Matthew, who do men say that I am? Huh? Some say Jeremiah, some the prophet that would come, some John the Baptist, or, or some, some Elijah. Well, who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up, thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, ooh. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Peter. Because you can't know that without the Holy Spirit. You're sitting here this morning, and if you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one that was predicted all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, with the beginning of the world, 6,000 years from today, back there at the beginning, when he predicted there'd be one rise up from the woman who would crush the serpent's head. Glory to God. And all the way through the Bible, that scarlet thread is, is woven through every book of the Bible, all the way to the birth of Christ. The grand theme of the book of John is on the identity of Jesus Christ. John chapter 20, verse 31 is what I call the key text of the book of John. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. These are written. What's these are written? The whole book of John. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you might have life through his name. You know, I don't have to understand it all. But I have to believe. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right, Doc? I heard that today. I'm listening back there, Doc. This is why when the cults come to my door, I never debate whether there's a hell, physical resurrection, end times, cross, stake, crosses a tree or a stake, soul sleep, Sabbath day, law, nothing. All I want to talk about is one subject. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because where the cults err to their own destruction is around who Jesus is. That's where they err. Your eternal fate will be determined around your decision in this area. 
Who is Jesus? It will not be on what denomination you belong to or whether you were baptized as an infant or whether you've taken a catechism of some sort, whether it be the Westminster Catechism or another one. It will not be about whether you got confirmed at 12 years old or you had the last rites when you died. A Catholic priest was there and he did the last rites on you. By the way, that got me in the emergency room a few times. I need to do the last rites on this guy. Okay, go ahead. They don't know Baptists don't do last rites. You know, probably it was a Catholic nurse. She goes, oh, man, we'll get you right back there. One nurse gave me trouble, and I said, you don't want to be responsible for this person going to hell, do you? She looked at me and goes, no, no, you come on back. I didn't wash my hands. <laughs> but it will be determined on whether you accept that Jesus is God. Because the terminology son of God to a Jew meant deity. That's why when it happened, they always wanted to stone him. They always wanted to figure out how to kill him. Look at it. They, they wanted always to figure out how to oppose. Because when he called himself the son of God, that was calling himself deity. Part and parcel of Jehovah God. Now, 1 Timothy 3.16, I'm going to have Chris come up here and quote it. No, I'm not. First Timothy 3.16 says, Plainly, God was manifest in the flesh. Justifying the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Who do you think it is? We know contextually it's Jesus. The word God is theos. There was not a mistaken translation. It was translated that way for 16 centuries all the way up through into the received text. It's theos was manifest in the flesh. Why is this so important, Bill? Because if Jesus is God, then he can do what he said he can do. If somehow he's an angel, he may not be able to do what he said he could do because he may be contradicted by a higher power, which would be God, who made the angels, right? In the book of Hebrew, the outline of the book of Hebrew, let me give it to you. The first two chapters of Hebrews says that he's better than any of the angels that were created. Consequently, he can qualify to be your eternal substitute. Chapter 3 and 4 of Hebrews says he is better than Moses. And brother, tell the Jews somebody's better than Moses and, and you can't get any higher than that, right? He's better than Moses in chapters 3 and 4 to whom the Old Testament came. In chapter 5 through 7, he's better than any of the human priests, any of them, who administer the ordinances. In chapter 8 of Hebrews, uh, the covenant that is made by him is better than the old covenant. That's not better than the Old Testament covenant. His sacrifice is better in chapter 9 through 10, verse 18. His sacrifice is better than all the sacrifices put together in the Old Testament. 
John at the baptism of Jesus, when he sees Jesus on the shore, the Holy Spirit fills him. And causes him to raise his hand, at least in my mind, and, and look at the Son of God and say, Thou art the Lamb of God. And calls him the Lamb of God. Now, brother, to a Jew, there's all kinds of pictures come in mind. They had been and seen little yearling lambs without blemish, their throat cut and their blood shed. And yes, it's gory. And yes, it smells bad. And yes, it's horrible. And yes, it costs the life of that little ewe lamb. Why? Because that pictures the horror of sin. Your enemy today is sin. And the sacrifices that were required to atone or cover that sin were equally as horrible. Jesus Christ it fulfilled, epitomized, and was the very Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That, that's what John the Baptist said. Wow. Because if, if Jesus is God... He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the human priests. He's better than the Old Testament covenant. He's better than the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And then if that's true, consequently, we are given extreme warnings about disobeying this covenant through Jesus Christ, this revelation that we find in Jesus Christ. You'll not find a harder passage in all the Bible than Hebrews chapter 10. One statement out of chapter 10, it says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. You won't find harder statements than you'll find in chapter 10. Make a hair stand up. What he was warning the people, he said, when God gave his son, he gave the best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. And if you reject it, the entire wrath of God is going to fall upon you. How do you get it? Hebrews 11. Faith. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What happens when you get it and you backslide? Chapter 12. Chastisement. He said, if you're a son, you've received chastisement. As good as Jayla, as sweet as Jayla is, and almost like perfect in countenance, yet she has sinned. If you don't believe it, ask CW. Been around her long enough now. And she's been chastised. Or being chastised. Amen. If you haven't been chastised, the Bible says you're a bastard, not a son. You're fake. Brother, I've been chastised and being chastised. I'm in the midst of it. And I need it. Amen? What? Father does not chastise his children. That's the question asked in that chapter. And then you have a consequent logical conclusion in chapter 13 is, if all the first 12 chapters are so, then obey. Chapter 13 says, obey God. Do what he wants, do what he's supposed to. You know, the devil set out to dethrone Jesus and distract from him, diminish from him, devalue from him, deduct from him, disparage him, denounce him, distrust him in every way possible. Why? Because Jesus is the one who destroyed him. 
Jesus is the one who crushed his power, took his rights. Wow. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And absolute and total obedience would be required indeed if he's Lord. And it makes sense that outrageous punishment would be deserving of a rejection. And really all this equals is personal responsibility. Now, let's, now let's, that was my introduction. Let's read the text. Hebrews chapter 1. Don't be fearful. Fear not. Fear not. I can read time. It's 11 o'clock. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. This is, this is the capstone on all what I mentioned before. Who is Jesus? God, who at sundry times, that's many different times, and in diverse manners, many different ways, many different times, many different manners, ways. What ways? By Moses, by Elijah, by the prophets, by the law. Many different times through men, through angels, and through God. Spake in time past, that's the Old Testament, under the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days, now I'm going to explain to you something that's misunderstood a lot. What in the world's the last days? You're in them. Biblically, the last days is the New Testament. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as God's final sacrifice for sin. Because that says right here, hath in these, the writer of Hebrews, and I don't know who he is, some say Paul, some say Apollos, nobody knows, but it's of a man surely full of the Holy Ghost, one of the most complex, in the Greek, one of the most complex sentences ever written is in the, in the book of Hebrews. One whole paragraph, one sentence. Whoever this was knew the Greek. Wow. And he says, hath in these last days, including himself in it, the final revelation of Jesus Christ is the last days, spoken unto us by his Son, which you can say is in his Son or through his Son, whom he hath appointed, and then he lists seven attributes of, of the Son of God, right in a row, like bullets, like boom, 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 boom. Seven of these in a row. Let me go through them real quickly, if it's possible for a preacher to do that. First of all, he says he's the heir of all things. He's the heir of all things. Let me read you a quote from this man, Vincent, again. He does such a good job. And he says, something, this is such, it's so powerful. Something was acquired at the result of his incarnation, which he did not possess before it. Oh, this is me now. Why did Jesus take on the form of a man, of a servant of a man? Why? Philippians chapter 2, why did he do that? Verse 5 through 11, why did he do that? The incarnation, God becoming man. He tells you, he says, 
Something was acquired as a result of his incarnation, which he did not possess before it, and could not have been possessed without it. it equality with God was Jesus' birthright. In Philippians 2, it says it was not even something for her to be grasped at. He already, was, he already knew who he was. But out of his human life, his death and his resurrection came a type of sovereignty which could pertain to him only through his triumph over human sin in the flesh. What it amounts to is uniquely begotten. The word begotten means unique. He is the only begotten. He is the uniquely begotten son of God. There is no one. In any being created in any place God has ever made it, whether it be above the earth, on the earth, or under the earth, there's nobody like Jesus. Jesus is absolutely and totally unique. God wanted to manifest himself to us. He wanted to sacrifice himself so that he could be just and punish sin and yet be a justifier of those who had sinned and not lose either. He was just and the justifier of them that believe on Jesus. Wow. Big. Not comprehensible in total. Man. He was, this is what makes him different from Muhammad. This is what makes him different from Confucius from any other religious leader, from, from any liturgy or rituals or formalism or religion, empty creeds, none of those can save you. Because there was only one only begotten Son of God. And His name is Jesus, who is the Christ. When people try to tell you there are many roads to heaven, they do not understand God. They do not understand the Bible. They have no idea how they insult the gift that God the Father gave in his Son because Jesus forever, eternally, will never be the same. He'll never be the same as he was before he was incarnated. Never. We know from the resurrection he has a scar on this hand and a scar on that hand and his feet and a, and a wound in his side. He's retained those things forever. For you and me. Wow. He is God who shared our state and conquered our enemies and stands alone from all others as the Savior of the world. For some reason today, I chose to move my papers in an opposite direction than I'm normally used to. I just thought you ought to know that. And that's why I'm doing this, and then I do this. Because I'm like an old dog. I just can't do no new tricks. I don't know what in the world is wrong with me. Why would I do that? The second thing, the second attribute... Do not get worried. 
Second attribute here is through, by whom also he made the worlds. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, and Brother uh, Chris is going to come up and quote it. I don't know why I like to tease him, but I do. By, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were made by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. If you're sitting here today trying to reconcile evolution and your faith, you're outside of the faith. You must believe who Jesus is. He's the creator of all that ever has been. There's no compromise of theistic evolution and the Bible. There's no compromise of any kind of explanation other than what God gave. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are not allegorical. They're literal, real testimony of what happened. If Genesis is not trustworthy, John 3.16 is not trustworthy. All that I'm speaking about in the book of Hebrews is not trustworthy. Don't you let some so-called pseudo-educated guy that knows big words and had a little bit of education and a good memory try to convince you out of what God's revealed. I am who also made the worlds. Woo! I got to go. I got to move. And everybody said, Amen. Boy, I got a lot here I got to skip. But I got to move the paper this way. Number three, who being the brightness of his glory, just as the sun is shining and we cannot see the light till you raise something up and it hits it, so Jesus is the effulgence, the expression of who God is. Philip, of course, you know, came to him and said, show us the Father, and it kind of almost insults Jesus. He says, wait a minute, have you been so long with me, you're not knowing me? When we go to heaven, we're going to see Jesus. When you look on the throne, it's going to be Jesus. Jesus is the essence. He is, he is the brightness, what you see of his glory. Number four, he's the express, he's express image of his person. It just gets richer. The word an express image means to, uh, the word in Greek means where we get our word character. It's the Greek word for character. Amazing. Who I am is not what I look like, it's what I do. It's what I express, right? It's not what I look like, it's not this body. It's what I do. The sum total of Bill I tell is my character. He is the express image of God. He is the character of God. He is, a, he is what you see. What you see, Jesus, you see the Father. Number five, upholding all things by his own power, by, by the word of his power. Woo! In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, without him, without anything made, it was made. Woo! 
You know, Jesus, the biggest, the biggest uh, challenge for Jesus Christ was at the cross, not saying something. It was not saying something. Because his word is obeyed absolutely. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he saved their life. I think the father had had it right up to here about their mocking him and beating him and abusing him and mistreating him and, 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 and ridiculing him. And I think the father was, and he sensed it. He says, Father, forgive them. Boy. Number six gets better when he had by himself purged our sins. He purged our sins. <laughs> First Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. My sin, not the half, but the whole. Number seven, he sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. In 10.12 of Hebrews, it says, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. That's why a communion table is not a re-sacrifice of the blood and the body of Christ. It cannot be. It cannot be. I don't care who says it. I don't care how many members they got. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how big they are. They're wrong. Jesus Christ, out of the book of Hebrews, is as clear as crystal. He sacrificed once for all. God finishes what he starts, Philippians 1.16 says, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm putting everything I got on that. I'm putting all my weight on that. Take me home, oh God, all the way home, all the way. That's what it means, all the way my Savior leads me. These songs we sing are just so rich. So rich. Oh, I love it. Oh. Well, let me read this. Let me read this passage. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to read it one more time. I think it's in my first page, which is on the wrong side here. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. I present to you Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you know him? That's what this is about. This isn't about religion, not about Baptist, not about creed. It's about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him? If you know him, you know you know him. If you doubt you know him, you probably don't know him. Because something as big as salvation, God lets you know you got it. Now, if you got it and, you, and you're out in, in sin and backsliding away in disobedience, get ready for a good old-fashioned country whipping. Because you're insulting something really, really precious to the Father. Don't do it. Father, help us this morning. May the word be transmitted. You've, cho <laughs> You've chosen to use this earthen vessel. 
to transmit a treasure so much bigger, so much more precious than words can describe. May blessed Holy Spirit, you do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.